Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Especially welcome everyone that is watching online. So glad that you could join us. Don't forget that chat feature if you're watching online. Uh, As we continue our Unmasked series, it's a little bit ironic that we're talking about being unmasked when we're going back to masking and everything. So uh, uh, just a little bit of an irony, but uh, uh, just uh, hopefully later on this series will apply a little bit more or something like that. We've been talking about those things that cause us to be masked. Uh, just a, a quick update. We're going to be over in Mark chapter 10 today, verse 46, if you want to turn to that. Mark 10, verse 46. Uh, just a kind of an update as, uh, as uh, coronavirus spreads in our area with that new Delta variant. We're doing some more enhanced cleaning and a lot of other things around the church, just trying to do everything we can keep you as safe as possible. And uh, we'll continue to update that as we uh, move on. But uh, let's turn over to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. I'm going to read this whole passage for you. In this passage, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the very last time. This is where he will go and be crucified. And on his way, he passes through the town of Jericho. And this is just a short story uh, as Jesus is leaving Jericho. It's over in Mark 10, verse 46. Now then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Now many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted even more, son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they called the blind man and said, Cheer up, get on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. As we look into it now, open our hearts and minds. Uh, Help us to see not only its truths, but how it applies to our life and uh, how we should live. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, probably most of you know that there's wildfires that are kind of raging throughout the West right now from Washington and Oregon, uh, California, Arizona, wildfires going throughout that entire area that are very destructive. And because of that, uh, firefighting crews are coming in from uh, around the whole country. And there's a particular incident of something that happened in Sisters, Oregon this week. Now, Sisters is just a small town up in the mountains. There's a a huge wildfire near that area. And there were some firefighters that were in a local grocery store, and they were looking for cold cuts and some bread and trying to find some things to eat, and they seemed a little bit irritated, and they were talking about being kicked out of a restaurant or something. And so uh, one of the guys who was shopping there walked over and said, Hey, guys, what's up? And they said, Well, you know, we got up early 
early this morning, like 5 o'clock in the morning. It's 8 o'clock at night. We've been fighting the fires all day. And we went to a fast food restaurant here in town, uh, a national name that I will not tell you the, the name of. Uh, and we went there, and we were going to get something to eat. And they told us that we were too dirty to come in and that we would just bother the other customers and we weren't welcome there. And so we've just come to the grocery store trying to get some cold cuts. We're starving. We need to get back and eat because we got to get up early in the morning again. And the guy says, well, I'm very sorry that I happened, but guess what? I happen to be the owner of the nicest restaurant in Sisters, Oregon. And he said, there's not too many nice restaurants in town, but mine is one of them. It's named Chop Steakhouse. You're all to come, and it's on me. And this is a picture of those firefighters after they left Chop Steakhouse that night. Uh, they, they feel pretty good about that. Uh, they've got some steak and baked potato in them and everything at, at this particular point. And uh, the owner of the restaurant then put a big sign out that said, firefighters always eat free and uh, he put that up on the sign as they did there now imagine the change of emotion that took place in these guys from being kicked out of a fast food restaurant because you're too dirty and you're bothering the, the the local customers to hey come to the nicest place in town and everything anything you want is absolutely free that's quite a change of emotion and what we're going to see in our scripture passage is that it's exactly what's going to happen with Bartimaeus. He's going to begin looking at himself and others seeing him in one way and then have a total change because of what Jesus is going to do in his life. So look over into Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Mark 10, verse 46. And the first thing we see is this. Sometimes we get beaten down and we wear a mask of inferiority. We get beaten down and we wear a mask of inferiority. Look down to verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man by the name of Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. It's uh, right before that last week that he was ever going to live. They're passing through Jericho, and as they're going through Jericho, they get to the outside of the city. They're leaving it, and there's a, a beggar that is there on the side of the road. Now we're told that there's a large crowd that's following Jesus. There's a large crowd because Jesus is famous at this point. Everybody knows who Jesus is. This is the miracle worker. This is the guy that's, that's raised the dead. This is the guy that's cast out demons. This is the guy that preaches like nobody's ever preached before. And so everybody has heard of him. Everybody wants to see him. And so this huge crowd is following Jesus outside of the city. As they leave the city, there's a blind man, a beggar, sitting on the side of the road begging, and we're told his name is Bartimaeus. And then our scripture explains and says, well, Bartimaeus means the son of Timaeus. So the word bar in Hebrew simply means son of, uh, and uh, then Timaeus means uh, one of honor. So they named him basically honorable son. Uh, that was his name. And so here is Bartimaeus on the side of the road begging. And not only that, uh, in Jesus' day and age, there was this popular theology. And the theology was this. If you had something in your life, like you were blind or some other disability or something like that, it's because you were a sinner. Either you or your parents had done something wrong and you were under God's curse. And so here is a man who is blind, has no way of supporting himself. Uh, he's begging on the side of the road, and uh, his own name mocks him, Honorable Son. And everybody thinks that he must have been cursed by God because of what he's going through. Those are quite a few terrible labels to have to put upon yourself. Everybody that sees him, poor, blind, sinful, cursed beggar. 
That's how they see Bartimaeus at this time. That's probably how he saw himself. Poor, blind, cursed beggar. And so you look at that and you hear that story and you begin to think, I wonder if any of us are like that today. Because you see, at some time in your life, everybody's put some kind of a label upon you that wasn't a positive label. Uh, it, it may have been something small that you didn't pay much attention to. It may have been something that you've carried your whole life. Maybe you had bad parents or abusive parents. I know people who are senior adults today that still carry the hurt of what their parents did to them when they were growing up. And so maybe you carry that and it's, it's, it's shaped who you are and how you see yourself. Uh, maybe it's, it's come from a, a teacher uh, they say by the second grade that basically labels are set by the teachers for the rest of the time in school. You're either the smart kid, the troublemaking kid, the athletic kid. And by second grade, those labels tend to stick the rest of the way through school. And so uh, that's something the child then carries with him that the other teachers tell each other, the other students know, and pretty soon it's how you start seeing yourself. Maybe it's a physical problem you have. Maybe you grew up poor. Maybe people don't like the clothes you wear, the kind of place in town you lived in, uh, the way you cut your hair, whatever. But there will be people that will look down upon you, that will try to make you inferior, that will try to make you feel bad about yourself, and pretty soon you'll begin to take those things internally inside of you, and they'll become labels that you wear. The same was true for Bartimaeus. He is a blind, poor beggar who's been cursed by God. That's how he views himself, and that's how other people viewed him. You know, when I was in the ninth grade, something happened that I don't know why it really bothered me back then. It still bothers me today, or wouldn't be talking about it in the sermon. Uh, but it just kind of always uh, stuck with me. Uh, at the end of, of PE class in the ninth grade, everybody had to take a shower uh, because they didn't want you to stink and be sweaty going into your next class. And uh, for, for those of you who are in high school nowadays, we actually had PE. We went and we did physical activity. You, you, you all don't do physical activity in school anymore. But anyway, uh, so uh, there was this one kid that would never take a shower. And so people started complaining that he stunk and he was all this kind of stuff. And so one day uh, after, after PE, we're all taking a shower. A couple of kids go to the teacher and they say, hey, uh, this guy won't take a shower. He stinks. He's sweating. We don't want him going back to class with us. So the teacher went in and told him to take a shower. He refused, tried to leave. Teacher told him to take a shower. He refused, tried to leave. The teacher finally took him, stuck him inside of the shower, told everybody to strip him naked, and then turned on the shower and made the other kids forcibly give him a bath in the shower when he was through he ran out of the locker room in tears and to this day for some reason that has not only stayed with me but it's bothered bothered me as I look at that but think how that young man must have felt whatever was going on in his life good bad or indifferent and how everybody viewed him after that incident that's a, a label, a mask that he was going to wear the entire rest of his life. And there's masks that you may be wearing. You're, you're, you're the smart kid. You're the dumb kid. You're the troublemaker. Uh, you're, you're the one that nobody's ever going to love because everybody you've ever loved has turned their back on you. And you begin to take those labels on yourself. You begin to internalize them, and they begin to become who you are. And that was Bartimaeus. And that brings us to the next thing that we see in our scripture passage. At some point, you need the courage to see yourself as God sees you. See yourself through God's eyes and then run to Jesus because he's the way out of what you're going through at this particular time. Let's keep reading in our scripture and see what's happened down in verse 47. So when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. So here's Bartimaeus. 
He has internalized, I'm a no good, worthless, cursed, poor beggar. That, that's just who he is. Everybody sees him that way. And then suddenly something changes that causes him just to have a spark of hope. And what changes is that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, why would that make any difference? Because even this poor blind beggar has heard of Jesus of Nazareth. Everybody's heard of Jesus of Nazareth. This is the miracle worker. This guy's raised the dead. This guy has cast out demons. This guy speaks words that nobody ever heard before. But not only that, listen to this. This man even healed people who were blind. And so suddenly Bartimaeus begins to think, hope beyond hope, maybe, just maybe, this prophet can do this for me. Maybe, just maybe, it, he, it's really true. He really can do these things. And so he begins to scream, shout out, we're told, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Every single one of those words are really important. First, he yells out Jesus. Of course, well, his name's Jesus. But what does Jesus mean? The name Jesus means God saves. And so he's yelling out, the one who saves. And then he calls him the son of David. Now, why does that matter? Well, son of David was a messianic title. So he's not only identified Jesus as the one God sent to save, he's now identified Jesus as the Messiah. And then he says, have mercy upon me. And that word mercy is also important because it shows you how Bartimaeus views himself. He didn't say have grace, he said have mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You deserve one thing, but you're forgiven and you're not given it. And so what Bartimaeus is saying is, look, I deserve this. I'm a poor, blind, cursed beggar. I deserve it all. Have mercy upon me, please. So it shows you how he felt about himself and all of that. So here he is calling out, hoping beyond hope. And here's the important thing. I don't care what the mask you're wearing is of inferiority, where it's at in your life. This is what I know. There will come a time you will see glimpses of hope. Maybe you feel like I'm no good, I'm not smart enough, nobody's going to love me, I've been hurt, I'm not good enough, I'm always messing up. Whatever it is, you will always be given by God a glimpse of hope. And we have here Bartimaeus getting that glimpse of hope and calling out to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. When you have that glimpse of hope and you begin to have the courage to take your mask off, people aren't going to react to that very well. And they're not going to react to it very well because it makes them uncomfortable. They've already labeled you in what you are, and they don't want you to change because then they have to take off their own mask and see who they are. So whenever you start trying to have the courage to be different, people are going to react negatively, and they do in our Scripture passage. Uh, look down at our Scripture passage in verse 48. Many rebuked him, and they told him to be quiet. Now, why are they rebuking him and telling him to be quiet? Well, for one thing, he's embarrassing them. Jesus is an important guy. Everybody knows who Jesus is. He's passing through town. He's probably walking through with the mayor and, and all the important people, and they're patting him on the back. And now suddenly there's this guy pointing out the Jericho homeless problem as they walk through or something like that. They, they don't want that done. You know, he's embarrassing them. But not only that, look, we know who you are, Bartimaeus. Just be quiet. Be who you are and stop embarrassing us and stop causing us to have to look at who we are and what's going on in our life as well. So they tell him to stop and to be quiet. You need to understand that that's what's going to happen in your life as well. When you start taking off the mask, people don't always react comfortably and they will try to get you to put it back on and to be quiet. People don't react well 
to us not being who they've labeled us being. Give you an example of what I'm talking about. When my dad was a freshman in high school, he said that he really did poorly in math that freshman year. He was bad at math uh, when he went through there. And so he said, in between his freshman and sophomore year, he decided, you know what? I am really going to try in math this year. I'm going to go out of my way in math. I'm going to sit up front. I'm going to listen to everything. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to do good in math this year. So he said he was all pumped up. He went into class first day. He said he sat in the middle in the very first seat. Now, his teacher for his, his sophomore math class was the same teacher he'd had for his freshman math class. And he said the teacher walked in, looked at him, and said, Oh, my goodness, Pendleton, why did they put you in my room? Look, just pick your desk up, take it to the back corner, do absolutely anything you want, just leave us alone, okay? And my dad said that was the last time I ever tried at math in school. Never happened again. Didn't want him to take off the mask. Didn't want him to try to be something different. Already been labeled, and that's how people react. But when that happens in your life, and it will happen, whatever it is, when you start trying to make your life better in whatever way, there will be people that will start criticizing and try to bring you down. Okay? And so you just need to understand that. When that happens, you have to have the courage to go on. Look at our scripture passage, verse 48. Many rebuked him, and they told him to be quiet. And so he shouted even louder, Son of David, have mercy upon me. He wasn't going to be shut up. Why wasn't he going to be shut up? Because maybe for the one and absolute only time his entire life, this might be his chance to see. Maybe against hope, this guy might really be a miracle worker and be able to save me. And this will never happen again. And it's never happened before. And you're not shutting me up. Son of David, have mercy upon me. And he begins to shout even louder. He won't be shut up. Don't let the world shut you up when you try to make yourself better. Don't let the world shut you up when you look at your life and say, this isn't what God intended. This isn't what my life was for. There's something better. There's something different because they'll want you to be quiet, but don't go along with it. Don't be quiet. So Bartimaeus screams out even louder, and then in verse 49, something interesting happens. In verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And then the crowd's a little bit amused. Jesus sees the commotion. And he says, hey, tell that guy to come on up here. And so the crowd says to Bartimaeus, hey, cheer up. Get on your feet. He's calling you. So the crowd's a little amused now. Okay, you got his attention. He wants to see you. Go, go see what's going on. And then the most amazing words in our entire scripture come very next. Only four words. Throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and went to Jesus throwing his cloak aside now if you're a person that writes in their bible and a lot of people aren't some people think you'll go to hell if you write in your bible but if you're one of the people that do write in their bible you might want to underline that okay uh that's there but just don't put in there chip said for me to write in my bible okay because i want a little wiggle room when i get up to heaven or something like that so whatever so he threw his cloak aside what was his cloak that's the outer garment that you wore but more than that, this is his beggar garment. This would have been poor and dirty and raggedy. And it was supposed to make a show that you looked at this guy, you felt sorry for him, and you gave him a little bit of money. So he's wearing this. He's wearing his, his beggar's garment because that's who he is. I'm a poor, blind, useless beggar. 
And suddenly, Jesus gives him hope. Maybe I'm something more than that. And he takes that beggar's garment and he rips it off and he throws it to the side and he runs towards the voice of Jesus. What's it take for you to be able to take off your mask, your cloak, and say, I'm going to come to Jesus? I don't know what your cloak is. I don't know what you've been hit with, and I don't know how bad it's been in your life. Maybe it's a mask of inferiority that you need to take off. Maybe it's that you don't feel loved. Maybe it's that people have never given you what you think you needed in life, and you've always felt lonely and out there by yourself. Maybe it's a physical ailment that you have that has plagued you your entire life. Maybe it's just the fact that you grew up in a different place or with a certain income. Maybe it's because of the, the color of your skin or your bank account or the car you drive. But for whatever reason, somebody has told you that you were less and that you were inferior because of those things. And if that is the case, what you need to hear is that's not coming from God. It may come from other people. You may have internalized it yourself, but it is not from God, and it's not how God sees you. God sees you as his precious creation that he loves with a passion so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for. God looks at you, and he sees something special, but you have to look at yourself and see yourself how God does. Ralph Hutchins was a homeless man who lived on Skid Row in Hollywood. He had a series of bad luck. He went to prison, had some drug issues. And he was sitting in a grocery cart in the Ralph's parking lot. Ralph's is Kroger's, basically. Well, it is Kroger's in, in Southern California. At what was called the Rock and Roll Ralph's there on Sunset Boulevard. When a very fancy car pulled in, driven by a guy named Charlie Jabberly. Charlie Jabbery, you probably never heard of him. He's won a Grammy Award, he's won an Emmy Award, and he discovered 2 Chains and Travis Porter. Got any 2 Chains fans here? Thank you, thank you. We'll, we'll do counseling afterwards. All right. So just, just come see. So he discovered them as well. So he gets out of his car, Hutchinson sees him, and he says, Hey, nephew, how about let me take a spin in that fancy ride you got there? And Jabberly starts laughing and walks up to him and says, I can't let you take a spin in my car, but I tell you what, he takes out a $100 bill. He said, take this and have a good day. Hutchinson hands him the $100 bill back and says, I don't want your money. He said, I tell you what, though, when you go into the Ralphs, buy me some painting supplies. I love to paint. And so Jabberly goes in, finds all kinds of painting supplies, a few canvases, things like that, brings them out, gives them to Hutchinson. Uh, he wishes him a, a good day, and he goes away. He comes back to that Ralph's a couple weeks later, and he sees Hutchinson over to the side, and he's drawing with some of the stuff he had. He goes over, and on the ground there in the parking lot, he's done this big mural in the parking lot ground. He said, it was just amazing. He said, well, have you done anything else with what I got you? And he said he went and grabbed some of the canvases. And Jabberly said, these are like really, really good. And so he put them on a website, and he says, hey, uh, this is a homeless guy that just picked up some painting supplies. Look at what he's done. And people are saying, oh, how do you buy this stuff? And so he goes back to Hutchinson. He said, do you mind if I set up a sale of some of your works? And he says, sure. And so he goes to the Sofitel, one of the best hotels in Hollywood. He does a sale of Hutchinson's works, and he invites all of his famous friends. Oprah Winfrey's there. She picks up one painting, and she says, I love this. Uh, how much is it? And Hutchinson says, I don't know, $25? And she starts laughing, and she says, $25? And she said, how about $1,500? And he goes, excuse me? And she said, how about $1,500? And then she says to Jabberly, take the price down off of everything in here. This stuff is worth a whole lot more than you're charging for it. 
And so they just took the prices off altogether and say, pay whatever you want. At the end of the night, Richard Hutchinson had made $200,000. Changed his entire life. He's now uh, become a very wealthy person. He's known as the homeless painter. Uh, People want to buy his paintings throughout the world. Here's a picture of Hutchinson uh, with a sign saying, hey, come to my my art show. And that's one of the paintings uh, that he drew there. Now, I want to give you a quote from Richard Hutchinson. This is what he said. I lived on the street for years, and the honest truth is this. Every single night, I was scared to death, but I thought there's no way out. This is who you are. It's never going to change. Funny, isn't it? Guess God had other things planned. Isn't that a great way of ending that? Man, it's just who I am, and it's never going to change. But guess what? God had other things planned. And that's what you need to know about your life. I don't know what's been holding you down. I don't care what other people have said about you. I don't even care how you view yourself. God's got other plans. And he sees you entirely differently than you see yourself. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture. When we have the courage to change who we are and we come to God, everything's going to happen. When you do that, everything begins to change. Look at verses 51 and 52. So here's Bartimaeus. He has the courage to throw his cloak aside. He comes to Jesus, and look at what Jesus says to him in verse 51. Jesus asked him a really strange question, it would seem. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, doesn't that seem like a strange question? A blind beggar comes up to you that's been screaming, have mercy upon me, and you say, well, what do you want me to do for you? You'd have thought it was obvious. But here's the thing. God can't help you in your pain if you're not acknowledging where the pain really is. If you don't have the courage to say, this is where I'm hurting. If you don't have the courage to say, this is what's holding me down. If you don't have the courage to say, these are the arrows that have pierced me and hurt me to this very day, then God can't do a lot with that. But when you come to him and say, look, I can't do anything here. I've fallen apart. I'm totally lost in this, and there's nothing I can do then God says, great, you've named it. Let me help you through it. You've acknowledged it. I'm going to show you you're so much more than you want. And that's exactly what happens to Bartimaeus. When Jesus said, what do you want me to do? The blind man says, Rabbi, I just want to see. And he named it my whole life. I've just been a poor, blind, useless. I've been, I've been a cursed beggar. And I just want to see. And in verse 52, Jesus said, well, go your faith has healed you and immediately he received his sight what an unbelievable thing when we acknowledge our weakness and our pain and we come to God God says guess what I see so much more in you than you see in yourself if you just have the courage to believe and go on you know it's interesting that Bartimaeus his whole life was told one thing he was mocked with the name honorable son But now he truly was an honorable son. But he wasn't just an honorable son of uh, his parents. He became an honorable son of God. Look at the last thing he does in our scripture passage. What's he do? Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. He's now an honorable son of God. Everything about his life has changed because of his willingness to throw off the cloak, take off the mask, and come to Jesus. 
You may have been told your whole life, you're not any good, you're worthless, you'll never get over this area of your life, that, that you have problems that people are never going to, to love you because of. Maybe you've been held down by so many things. And you may have even heard it at church. You may have been coming to church your whole life and you're told every time you come here, well, you're a poor, useless sinner and, uh, you know, that, that's the end of it, you know. Uh, and you tell, you know, I'm just poor, useless sinner. And what we need to understand is Jesus didn't go to the cross and die because you were useless. Jesus went to the cross and died for you because you are his most special creation. You individually are the most special thing God ever created. He created you and gave you a spark of the divine, his very image inside of you. He loves you so much that despite what you've done and how you've lived, he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Now, he knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows that sin has become a disease that has infected your body and is basically killing you and affecting everybody else around you. But he knows that he has the antidote to that problem, and the antidote to that problem is him going to the cross and taking your sins upon him that you might be forgiven. And so he's not looking at you saying, you, you useless, worthless person. He's looking at you and saying, my most amazing creation I know you're not what I created, but I'm going to bring you back to what you were supposed to be all along. I'm going to bring you back to me. You see, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that for all of the things that this world has beaten us down with, for all of the things that have hurt us, he's come to redeem us from those things. He's come to give us new life, new birth. He's come to make us new creations in him because what he sees in us is so much more than we see in ourselves. And so my encouragement for you is to begin to see yourself as Jesus sees you. If you want to know how Jesus sees you, then when we take the Lord's Supper just now, you're going to see that. So if you want to take out your packet, you can begin to fight with that right now. You know, with COVID, we've gone to, to these packets uh, to, to kind of get, but as you look at this and as you think about it, it tells you how much God loves you. When you look at the bread, we're told that when Jesus was in the room that night with his disciples, that he took that bread and what he said to them was this, this is my body, which is broken for you. If you're here today and you think nobody's ever going to love me, I'm always going to be alone, nobody really cares, uh, I've been rejected again, got this problem, that problem, whatever it is, what you need to know is that when you see this and you look around this room, God's made us one family. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what the color of your skin is. I don't care, you know, how bad you may have lived your life or how many times you may have done what you've done. This is what I know. God created you special. He loves you so much. His body was broken for you, and he brings you into his family as his honorable son and his honorable daughter. This is the body of Christ that was broken for you. We're told that in the same way that Jesus took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said to them something really interesting. This cup is the new covenant of my blood which was shed for you. So you have messed up. You look at yourself and you say, you know what, I'm never going to get it right. I've tried a hundred times in my life, seem to fail every time. Here's the good news. You don't get to heaven by being a good person. Now, God cleans you up and your life should be different. 
You get to heaven, though, not by being good. You get to heaven by Jesus taking your sins upon him and dying in your place. You get to heaven because God was good, not you being good. And so you come to him and you say, hey, I know you saw something in me I didn't see in myself. You saw that you loved me, you cared for me, you created me. I am your child. This is the blood of Christ that wipes away your sins. So here's Bartimaeus. He started that morning a poor, blind, cursed beggar. And he's ending it without his beggar's coat on, following Jesus down the road, his whole life transformed. Because you see, he was never a poor, blind, cursed beggar. He was always someone created in God's image. He was always someone valuable to God. He was always someone beloved of God. He didn't see it, and no one else saw it. Remember in the story of the prodigal son, you also have the stories of of the lost coin and the lost sheep. And when the lost coin and sheep are found, a big party is thrown. And Jesus says, you know, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 just people who don't need any repentance. So when you come to God and you say, hey, you know what? I, I, I see myself differently in your eyes. Forgive me, come into my life, change me. God does something amazing and all of heaven rejoices. When Sierra and Michael were baptized a few minutes ago, I believe with all of my heart if that scripture is true, all of heaven was rejoicing uh, when they were in there at that particular time. And so we begin to see ourselves as God does, changes everything. Well, I was reading a story this week by a lady named Connie Park. She was blind for 15 years from the age 44 to the age of 59. When she turned 44, she started having some trouble seeing She went to the eye doctor. The eye doctor looked at her and said that she was in the beginning stages of glaucoma. Uh, Over the next several months, uh, she went totally blind. And the doctors told her there's literally nothing that we can do uh, for you the rest of your life. Uh, And so during that time, all of her grandchildren was born, including one that was 15 years old. She never got to see any of those grandchildren. Then last year, she was doing an appointment at the optometrist, and it was a new optometrist. And he says, I'm just not seeing glaucoma there. It doesn't seem to be there. And he started doing other tests. And he said, I think you've just got cataracts. And he said, will you allow me to do surgery? After two surgeries, she was seeing 20-20. This is Connie Connie, uh, Park seeing her granddaughter for the very first time after the first surgery. Uh, She hadn't seen for 15 years. Now, you hear that story. That's an amazing story. But the point is this, sometimes we think I'm in a place that nobody can do anything about. And God says, not the case at all. I don't care where you are, how long you've been there, I can do something about it. I can make you something different than you've ever been before. I can take the brokenness of your life and I can bring peace and purpose. It doesn't mean God's gonna heal you of all your illnesses or everything's suddenly gonna go right in your life. It means that you're never going to go through anything again, that God's not going to walk through it with you every single step of the way. But it starts with you having the courage to take off that mask, throw that cloak aside, and say, Lord, help me see myself as you see me. And when you do, you know what you're going to find? You are a child of the King of Kings. That means you're a princess and a prince out there. Uh, You're royal. So if anybody ever called you princess growing up, you can call them back and say, hey, I found out in church today, you were right all along. That's who I am.
Uh, you are a child of the King. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you so much for loving us when we don't deserve it. Uh, we know that you have come into our lives because you saw something in us that we couldn't see in ourselves. Help us to see ourselves through your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. When we come to this uh, invitation, there's really two main things I'd like to say, and the first is this. Identify in your life where that mask of inferiority is. And the way you can do that is two ways. One, where are the arrows that have hit you that are hurting right now? It may have been an arrow that struck you when you were a child that's still hurting. And you just need to say, hey, that's a place that I'm hurting in my life right now. And you just give that to God. Maybe it's something that's happened recently that's holding you down. Whatever it is, identify it and have the courage to say, God, this is holding me down. This is hurting me. I can't seem to get over it. And I just want to give it to you. Just give that to God this morning. And then the second thing is this. Bartimaeus, when he began to have that hope in God, begin to follow Jesus. If you've never done that, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then this needs to be the day you do that. You've heard today, God loves you. Jesus died for you. God doesn't see you even as you see yourself. You have a new opportunity to have that today. You can do a couple of different things. First, if you're in the room and you're present, when you go out, go to that welcome center, just fill out a card and say, hey, I want a staff member to contact me and somebody will be in touch with you this week and talk to you about either one of those things that's going on in your life. If you're online, uh, just text uh, to this number right here, either connect uh, if you want to accept Christ or prayer. If you have a special prayer request, connect to prayer to that number right there, and there'll be somebody that will be in contact with you. Let's stand together as we sing. Luke. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.